Hello and welcome to Sojourners in the Storm Bible Study. I uh, hope you guys are all having a good and blessed week this week. I uh, hope that uh, uh, you know this message finds you wherever you're at and encourages you in your walk. Uh, maybe leads you to the Lord if you're hearing for the first time. But um, I, I just want to reiterate this ministry is about getting the word out. It, it's not about anything else. I know there's no real fancy recording techniques or no theme music or anything like that involved in this this is strictly about the word and you know I take no credit for this I know I've mentioned my name a few times my name is Mike Cedillo I live here in Los Lunas New Mexico um, I've gone through Bible college uh, I have a calling on my life I feel to spread the word to teach the word of God and really to live by it and so, you know, as I study, as I teach, as I learn, I'm putting this out for others. You know, there's nothing else, um, no motives, no nothing behind it, but this is for the Word of God, for the glory of God, for the people of God. And so, um, you know, with that, I, I, I pray that this message finds you. I pray that these are encouraging to you. I pray that they're helping you. I pray that they're, um, you know, working in our lives as we do this stuff. And, uh, you know, listen and study and get into the Word of God and contemplate on what we're doing in our lives. You know, I know there's a lot of stuff going on in the world right now. I know it's tough for all of us. Um, and it, it creates a lot of anxiety if you watch the news and you see the bickering and all this stuff going back and forth all the time. Um, it can be tough. But what I want you guys to know is that we do have hope. We do have a Redeemer. We do have a central message, and that is through Jesus Christ. And so I pray that this is getting to you in that way. And you know, I know that uh, I'm probably not the best teacher. Uh, you know, I know I've got a face for newspaper and a, a you know, a, a voice for radio uh, and uh, a face for newspaper, but you know what? It's about the word. And so if you take that at face value, if you take the word, if you take the message and really look into the scriptures, you know, that's what I'm trying to bring to you guys. And so with that, we'll get started uh, with the word of prayer. Father God, Lord, thank you for this day. Lord, thank you for all that you do for us and all that you give to us, Lord. Father, most of all, thank you for your word, that we may know you by it, Lord, and that we may follow it, that we can trust in it lord that it is true that it is tested that it is tried and that uh it, it holds up to everything that's put uh, all the scrutiny that's put onto it father god lord i pray that today as we open up your word lord that your word would come forward and not my own that you would teach us that you would lead us that you would change us father father i thank you and i pray to you in jesus name amen okay so we have reached the point in the epistle of first john we're in chapter 2 and we're going to be starting with verse 12 uh, so far we've gone up to verse 11 um, this message is called sweeter with time and uh, you know I'll kind of explain that a little bit later later as we get through there but um, you know you can always go back through either the rumble channel or through the uh, podcast channel that's on all the different uh, uh, podcasting platforms under Sojourners in the Storm or the Rumble channel is SJSTS1. 
uh, if you want to look that up and uh, you know get caught up with all the different messages that, that have come through this we go verse by verse uh, line by line page by page book by book chapter by chapter so that we don't miss anything out but uh, you know getting back to the message in the past couple weeks we've looked at this moral tests and the social tests of faith you know we have used those to gain understanding of our responsibilities as believers as well as the state of our hearts towards others as we examine our lives we are now given another means of understanding our spiritual state as we evaluate our maturity in our faith you know John gives us three distinct groups to look at in the next few verses now just like anything in our life our spiritual life has a beginning and it's followed by growth and it ends in maturity and development of what we are learning into something more effective as we put it to use. Now I remember being a, a child and my parents signing myself and my brother up uh, for karate lessons. When we first started out we were very inexperienced compared to the kids that were there for years or even months before us. But as we grew we practiced more and more we were uh, and we started to gain knowledge and muscle memory and become more fluid in what we were trying to accomplish now I look out now and see my nephew starting out in his second week and, and just learning the basics and kind of getting uh, uh, getting set and you know sitting there just being really proud to see him getting into an understanding of what he's doing now and and what he's doing now is going to develop over time into skills that will help him you know these things are going to be second nature He's going to learn different things, discipline. He's going to learn anticipation. He's going to learn footwork for other sports and stuff like that. He's going to learn about himself as he pushes himself. And that's awesome. And that's part of our Christian life too, right? We've got to push ourselves. We've got to change. We've got to mature and we've got to develop in our, in our lives. You see, we all have to start somewhere. When we join a gym, we usually join that gym and we're pretty out of shape. But as we continue to train our bodies and our lungs, we get into better and better shape. And eventually, if we work hard enough, we can become elite athletes. When we start school as children, we start with the basics and learning the alphabet. Then we move into, you know, simple letter groupings. And we start making small words like dog or cat. Um, and we develop into larger words, right? We start spelling bigger, longer words like four or five, six letter, seven letter words. Next, we begin to group those words into sentences, and eventually we group those sentences into paragraphs, then essays, then stories, then books, and, and so have you, right? But that comes with maturity. It comes with gaining experience in what you're doing. Well, our spiritual lives also are something that we develop over time. We accept the Lord Jesus at first, and we're like babies. We're just learning the alphabet at that point, you know, learning the sound that A makes. Uh, a sound that we're trying to make sense uh, of our lives with, right? We're trying to have an understanding and gain an understanding of what just happened. But over time, we begin to mature. And although we're not ever completely perfected, we mature. There is growth in our lives, or at least there should be. We remember that we are always in pursuit of maturity. No matter how mature we are, there's always a character gap that we must close. And we do that by the study of the Word and testing ourselves against it to see where we stand. We will face trials and tribulation, but those are intended to refine us and bring us into maturity. So, let's take a look here in 1 John chapter 2, verse 12, and we're going to see six different statements from John in regards to our maturity and our state of growth. 
Now, 1 John chapter 2, verse 12 says, I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his namesake. So, our main point for today is my walk with the Lord has many levels of maturity. Now, we are of the understanding that our walk with the Lord, uh, in our walk with the Lord, that we cannot serve two masters. We are either on God, uh, from God's point of view, servants of the Most High God, or servants of Satan. There is no in-between. We cannot reside on both sides of the fence. Many people in today's church find it advantageous to go between in order to live a comfortable life, uh, lush with popularity and ease. But we are not called to that life. We are called to stand out and be followers of Jesus Christ. We are called to take up our cross daily to follow Him, to put to death our members in service to the Lord. You know, the world is what is uh, is what was killing us and leading us to destruction. The world as we know it is under the influence of Satan. The sin and ease of the flesh is the way of the world, and we all at one point lived in that life. If we go back to Ephesians chapter 2, uh, starting with verse 1, it says, And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among who also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as others. See, our lives in Christ began where that life ended. When we start living for the Father because of the love and sacrifice of the Son, this is the foundation or the starting point of our faith. It is also, and also in our text, starting in verse 12, John addresses the little children. Not meaning kids or youth, but the new in Christ. You know, those that had just accepted the Lord. And I'll read it again. I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his namesake. Right? The little children. This is where we first start out as believers. Now, our first point here, letter A, the Christian life begins with a fresh start to life by the forgiveness of my sins. So when we chose to serve God, when we change sides of the fence of life, if you will, we must first ask forgiveness of our sins. From that point on, we have an understanding that we are no longer living for the ways of the world. And, you know, there's some gravity in knowing that we have taken that oath, right? We have changed. We are no longer living the backward ways of the world, but we are living the forward ways of God. We have finally made a choice to move forward. And, you know, the gravity comes when we think about all the wrong that we did, all the sin that we had committed in our lives up to that point, and understand that is all erased. That is all gone. That is all forgotten. We have a clean slate in our lives. We are now children of the Lord, right? We are little children. We are babes. We have all this stuff in front of us to learn. You know, if you take a newborn baby, the newborn baby knows nothing, right? It knows I'm hungry, I'm tired, and I'm fussy. But as it grows up, what happens? It learns to roll over. It learns to sit up. It learns to crawl, to walk, to talk, uh, to express feelings, emotions, all this different stuff, right? Well, we're the same way, right? When we're newborn babies, we don't really know anything. We know Jesus loves us. Okay. Well, now let's take that in another direction. Let's grow on that. Let's build on that. Let's get some understanding. You know, as part of the prayer team at my church, whenever somebody comes up for prayer, 
and you know gives their lives to the Lord, the first thing I tell them is always read the Gospel of Luke. Why the Gospel of Luke? Because it's an investigative report on the life of Jesus. You can go back and see the testimony of eyewitnesses, and you can learn so much about Jesus and his humanity, his love for men, and also uh, you know see the divine power that was working through him. But you know we all start at that point where we got to start getting into the Word and developing our lives through the Word as new believers in Christ. You know, we at this point have made a choice to leave the temporal comforts of the world behind and, you know, accept the promise of eternal life with Jesus Christ. You know, this world will offer uh, the promise of temporal comforts, right? Uh, uh, of riches, fame, stuff like that. But what happens after you die? You're not there no more. You know, all those fames, all those riches, all those uh, possessions and all that stuff that is temporary in our lives goes away. Somebody else takes them. It's gone. It rusts out, right? But if we have eternal possession with the Lord, what happens? Okay, we might not live the best life here on earth right now. We live a life of hope. We live a life of virtue. We live a life of... You know, basically being an outsider in today's society. But when we pass on, we still have eternity to deal with. And when we pass on into that eternity, we're going to be with the Lord. You know, we're going to be in heaven, in the new Jerusalem, in the time to come. You know, things are going to be different. You, you know, you're going to have all the pleasures you could ever imagine when you're sitting there in front of the Lord day in and day out. And He is the light that brings... Uh, that lights up the world, right? You're going to be with your Creator, with your Maker, with the one that died and sacrificed His life for you. You know, we leave those things. You know, we make that choice. We become, and we come to an understanding that God's love for us is greater than that of the false love of the world also when we make that choice to follow God. In Ephesians chapter 2 again, with starting at verse 4, it says, But God, who is rich in mercy... Because of his great love, with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you, were, uh, you have been saved, and raised us up together, and made us sit together in the heavenly places as in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Jesus Christ. So, you know, this is our starting point as Christians. It's the ABCs. Day one in the gym. We get the fundamentals of our faith by the understanding that God has forgiven us through the blood of Jesus. Our starting point is really a finishing point, though, because it is where we finish with the world and start in the kingdom of God. But just as newborn babies, we are weak. So are new believers. And new believers require growth. That growth comes by taking in the Word of God and letting it transform your life as you come to know more and more of the Father. In 1 Peter chapter 2, uh, verse 1, it says, Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the Word. You know, think about that. Desire the pure milk of the Word as newborn babies, that you may grow thereby. If indeed you have tested that the Lord is gracious, that tasted that the Lord is gracious. You know, there is change for us at the cross. It's a mindset that we must develop as we turn from the world to the Lord. And truth be told, it's a battle. 
It's a battle for our minds, for our eyes, for our ears, and our souls. But we need to be the ones that make the choice as believers to desire the pure milk at first, that we may graduate to the meat of the word and get deeper and deeper into it as our lives go on. From here, we're taken to the opposite end of the kingdom as far as spiritual growth is concerned. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 13, part A, it says, I write to you fathers because you have known him who is from the beginning. Now letter B, maturity in Christ comes from our relationship with the Father. John writes to the fathers, the mature believers. Now, if you think about the word father and consider it for a minute, um, it means to have offspring, right? It, not a, in a physical sense, but in a spiritual sense. It means that a person has lived an exemplary life in the Lord and in turn has led others to the Lord. You know, in shepherd school, uh, our quarters or our semesters were described as the life cycle of an oak tree. We started out as fertile soil and ended up as oaks producing acorns. Now, that rank, if you will, is the result of knowing God or getting closer to God, knowing godly character and maturing in the Lord. Now, what John is telling the fathers is that their maturity comes in knowing the Father, and that does not change. That is the bond that we have that keeps us in the kingdom, knowing the Father. If our purpose in life is to know God and make Him known, then our maturity comes from the relationship that we work out with God. The trials and tribulations that we face only bring us closer to God, in that we learn to depend on Him more and more to get us through, and rely on His promises in our lives. That is something that we learn and develop over time. Now, have you ever watched, let's say, a football team develop over time? Right. And, and, you know, I love football. I played football for many years uh, in my younger days when I still had good knees and ankles. And watching it now, you kind of watch your team about every 10 years have to reset itself. Right. It seems that about every 10 years or so, a football team has to change. A new coach will come in. A new quarterback will come in. And they start a journey as their careers begin in the league. You know. For a professional football team, there's a learning curve, especially for a quarterback. And I'll use that as the example. You know, a quarterback coming out of college and going to the NFL is going to look at defenses that are more complex. Um, it, it, it's a higher level. They're going to face things that they haven't seen before. The speed of the game is more intense. And the situations they face are more difficult, right? So at first, a young quarterback is going to rely on the scheme that is set up for them to succeed. But as they get older, maybe a season or two in, well, now the defenses have caught up to that scheme. They see what they're going to be doing. They, you know, they understand what that quarterback is good at, and they're going to attack those and make them weaknesses, right? But as that quarterback grows, he starts to gain some experience in reading those defenses. He's going to you know, be able to pick out those disguised looks that they're, that they're giving him and you know, use his scheme to his benefit, right? By changing plays, by making audibles, uh, you know, going off one read into another and, and being successful. Now, it's not as much about the scheme at that point also, but using the scheme to adjust into the right place for greater success. Now, the difference between a quarterback and a Christian, because a Christian's going to do that same thing, right? At first, we're going to come in and we're going to know Jesus loves us. We're going to know that we're saved. We're going to know that our sins are forgiven. But we are going to be attacked by the enemy. We're constantly going to be under attack. 
as soon as we determine in our lives that we're going to make a change in our life, well, the enemy's going to attack that, right? Every time we pray for change in something, we know that the attack, the trial, that big target is going to be laid on us. That's where our study of the Word, that's where our study of God, that's where our going to church and listening to the pastors preach, you know, taking time to do independent Bible studies, listen to podcasts like this, or, or, or view videos about, you know, with solid Bible teaching, that we're going to be able to make those adjustments in our lives. Now, the difference between a quarterback and a Christian is that when a quarterback's mind is at its peak, his flesh is diminished, right? He can no longer throw the ball down the field the way he wanted to. He can no longer escape the pressure the way he could before. He can't stand up in the pocket. He gets a little gun-shy. You know, those 50-yard bombs that he was throwing as a rookie are now maybe 30-yard timing routes. And he's not as effective anymore, right? But when a Christian's flesh is diminished and his mind is at his peak, that is when he's at his strongest, right? Because now we're no longer slaves to the flesh. We are slaves to the Spirit, right? We are in submission to the Spirit of God. Our mind is filled with godly things, and that is where our maturity comes from, right? When we can think heavenly thoughts and not fleshly thoughts. Experience and maturity comes from winning the battles with the flesh and allowing the knowledge and uh, of and relationship with God to come first in our lives. Back again to verse 13, part B. It says, I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. So let her see my walk towards maturity comes as I battle the flesh and desires of the world. John writes to the young men, and now I know he's using male pronouns to describe these stages, but it applies to all believers. The young men are those that have made a choice to accept God's forgiveness and are now in the mix, if you will, of that Christian life. Although the life never ends, the battles are more and more intense in your youth and developmental stages because you're still figuring things out. The battle, though, as we know, has already been won by the Lord on the cross. You know, we just have to stick to that. We just have to know that He has overcome the world, and through Him we can too. You know, Jesus can put the sh uh, has Jesus put to shame death and destruction on the cross. And our acceptance of that and perseverance in that is what helps us to overcome the evil one. It helps us to fight through temptations, pray through trials, and gain experience, knowledge, and wisdom as we mature in the world, in the, uh, in the Lord and in the Word, not in the world. We don't want to mature in the world. <laughs> when we make that choice to serve God and reject the devil, we overcome the wicked one. No matter the cost, we will always have the victory through Jesus, who has overcome the world. Uh, back again to John chapter two, uh, 1 John chapter 2, verse 13, part C. I write to you, little children, because you have known the Father. Now, letter D, the truth that our maturity uh, is built on God. The truth is that our maturity is built on God. Again, we see a reference to the new believers as John addresses them. Our faith starts and ends with knowledge of God. It does not matter if we are matured 60 years in the faith or 60 seconds. Our focus is on knowing the Father. In this, John is telling the new believers that just, uh, just that, that the message handed down by the fathers and the young man is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It is God the Father 
Christ crucified and the indwelling Holy Spirit working in our lives. From the beginning to the end of our lives, that does not change. God does not change and neither does His message. His grace or His love for us is always the same. If we are ever in a position where we do not learn anything in our, else in our lives, we need to learn that our whole existence, past, present, and future, is by the, acting of work, by the active working of God in our lives. Verse 14, I have written to you fathers, because you have known who is from the beginning. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong in the word of God, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. So letter E, my knowledge of God uh, is my root of my maturity, and that is unchanging. We see now in verse 14 the tense of the verb used for writing change from present to past tense. Now what we can draw from this change is that the message again does not change. God does not change. The world may change and our relationship with God may grow, but God does not change. In the end of verse 13, we read of the little children knowing him who is from the beginning. And again, we read of the fathers knowing him who is from the beginning. This means that we will always know God in our lives. But our understanding and our depth of relationship with him only gets sweeter with time as we grow closer and see the work that he does in our lives. Right? If you are one of those people that are into fermenting um cabbage and making your own sauerkraut or uh you know doing that type of thing what happens it gets sweeter with time it, you know it gets better with time you put it in a jar at first and you just have a bunch of ingredients but over time it ferments it gets better it gets better and you get more and more benefits of it right um same thing goes with uh you know i i don't advocate for drinking wine but making wine you know the longer it's in the bottle it gets better and better and better or so i've heard um but our relationship with God gets sweeter with time. You know, what happens when you, let's say, meet your wife for the first time? Well, you go on a couple dates, it's a little awkward, you know, you're still getting to know each other, this, that, and the other. But after about 50 or 60 years, uh, you, you might spat and butt heads a little bit, but your relationship is sweet, right? You understand what that other person is about, what that other person's going to do. You understand their needs. Um, their wants, their desires, you help them out more. They're, they're there for you also at the same time, right? You take care of each, other, uh, of each other. You know, one example of this is watching my grandparents. My grandma was very sick for many, many years. And, you know, watching my grandpa take care of her was something special because their relationship was that. They were close. They had packs. You know, if I fall, you call the ambulance right away. If this happens, that happens. You know, they had each other's back no matter what. And, you know, even though my grandma's been gone for about two years now, you still see it whenever you mention her name around my grandpa. You know, that, that tenderness in his eyes because that relationship was so sweet. Well, that's the kind of relationship that we develop over time with God, right? We know that he has all our needs at the forefront of his heart. You know, he's given it to us. He is there for us unconditionally, no matter what. But our end grows when we start to depend on Him more and more. You know, we can be assured that God's work is always and always will be the same. He does not change. The change comes through us, through the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, as we study the Word, as we get into it, as we 
look at the trials and the tribulations and all the things that we go through and see what God's doing in our lives. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. That's powerful. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What is the good and acceptable and perfect will of our God? Maturity in God. Changing our ways, right? We come out of the world as sinners, as, you know, just living completely apart from God. And we make a change at that point, right? We live for God. We renew our minds. We change so much. If I could only list off the things for you, it would take me a day of the things that God has changed in my life. Uh, as I've renewed my mind, as I've learned to think godly thoughts, to think ethically, to think different, differently philosophically, and, and, and just the way my worldview has changed from a worldly worldview to a godly worldview. It changes in us, right? Maturity comes from our allowance of God to move in our lives. Now look at the second part of verse 14. It says, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you, you have overcome the wicked one. Now, we are all in our place in our lives. We're going through spiritual growth. Now, which one of us does not have a trial we're going through right now? Who among us knows how to handle every situation we come across? And not only knows how to handle them, but handles them correctly when it comes upon, uh, when it comes upon us, right? Uh, even though we know, might know what the right thing to do is, we don't always do it, right? And so that's kind of a catch-22 for us sometimes. But maturity comes when you know how to handle it and you handle it accordingly. You know, what makes us strong is that we have the Word of God in us. We have the promise of forgiveness when we fail. We have an advocate in Jesus defending us. We have faith that we are new creations in God and that we have overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb. It is all done through our seeking God in His Word. Rarely does any of us have an audible an audible voice from God to guide us. We speak and we communicate uh, with God through His Word. That is God's love letter to us. He is speaking to us through those pages of the Bible each and every time that we open them up. Now, if it were any other way, we would hear what we want to hear. Although many of us read what we want to read, right? The Word of God is to be sacred to us. It should steer us and lead us through our lives. It is our daily bread, and without it, a Christian would starve and become weak. Now, have you ever missed a day or two without reading your Bible? Now, it's a gateway to failure. We need that time with God every day. Even if it's just a portion of a chapter, we need it. We've got to take in that daily bread. Now, if we take, for example, um, Jesus in the desert, when he was tempted by Satan, we can learn a lot about our need for the Word and its nourishment. You know, Jesus fasted 40 days in the desert. Now that's a long time if you think about it to go without food. Now it is said that after 15 days of no food, a person loses their appetite and the body starts to eat itself. And when hunger returns, that person is now near death, depleted, having, all, uh, having depleted all resources um, his body has to offer, right? 
Now think about that. If we go 15 days without the Word of God in us, what are we going to do? We're going to start turning back to our flesh, right? We're going to start turning back and depending on the things that we think are right and not the things that God has shown us are right, right? That's going to hurt us bad. Now, that's the point after 40 days, uh, you know, the Lord not eating. That's the point where Satan entered the picture. Now, at that point... Okay, hunger returns because there's nothing left inside of you. That's the breaking point. That was the breaking point of all our lives when we came to the Lord, right? When there was nothing left inside of us, we were about to die. That's when I came to the Lord. I, I mean, I was so broken and so down, I had nowhere to go. I turned to the Lord, He saved me, and He changed all that. But here comes Satan tempting uh, Jesus. And Jesus gave him three answers that we should think about when we are down. When we're trying to starve ourselves out, we shouldn't be starving ourselves. We should never get to the point where we're so weak that we're dying because we have not taken our daily bread, because we have not taken the word. But look at what Jesus said to uh, to him on his three attempts to uh, to sway him. Uh, um, Jesus' first answer was, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Okay, we need to be not only taking in physical bread, spiritual bread and that spiritual bread is the word each and every day you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve now what happens when we deprive ourselves of the Word of God well we start to turn to our own wisdom to worldly wisdom right and that is worship in itself because we're worshiping ourselves we're putting ourselves above the Lord we are not taking the time to follow God and what he said to us through his word and lastly, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. What do we do? How do we tempt the Lord our God by going away? Well, we think we know it all, right? And we're out to prove and show that we're not that. You know, the devil was trying to get God to show, uh, Jesus, uh, who is God, to show that he was divine, to use his divine supernatural powers to get out of it, uh, out of a situation, to, uh, to tempt the Lord into saving him. Well, we don't do that. We ask for the Lord to save us once and for all, and that's it. You know, if we have nothing else in life, we have the Word of God to live off of. We should have a heart to serve none other than that God. We have left the world behind for the kingdom of God, and we should not go out and try to be something that we're not. God's Word is solid, and our lives should be in line with it. In Psalm 119, verse 133, it says, Direct my steps by your word. Let no iniquity have dominion over me. Now, that's pretty powerful, right? Direct my steps. This is my life. Lord, we have given it over to you. We've asked for forgiveness of those sins that were leading us to death and destruction. You have erased them. Now, Lord, you show me the right way. You show me the better way. Mature me, Lord. Grow me in your ways. Let no, dominion, uh, no iniquity have dominion over me. Let me learn not to sin. Let me learn the better way. Let me learn your way, Lord. Now, we also have to remember that this epistle of 1 John was written to the church because there was a threat coming from false teachers uh, 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 in his time. And, you know, those teachers were teaching false doctrines. Now, we saw it then and we see it today as more and more of the culture tries to make its way into the church. Words like inclusion, diversity, and acceptance 
have made their way into the church. And those are all great, but we need to understand that inclusion means that everybody is included in the saving work of Jesus on the cross. They just have to accept Him and ask Him as Lord and Savior uh, and, and make that repentance. Diversity, yes. It takes a diverse group to get the message to all nations. And we are on, uh, that we are only saved by the acceptance of Jesus Christ into our life. And, and uh, you know, the give that truth that Jesus loves each and every one of us individually. No. There is no room for woke theology uh, in the church for the teaching of new traditions of any type of works-based salvation. God's message is the same every day. His word never changes and his people should not accept anything less. So let us, at whatever stage of our lives, be as little children, as young men, be it as little children, as young men, or as fathers. Never be swayed by the wiles of the devil. Never be moved by the influence of the culture. And check what we are taught by the word of God. Because nothing else stands up to the scrutiny of the enemy like the truth. Right? And the truth is the most loving thing that we can give any person anywhere at any time. Right? If we are little children and we're playing around the stove and our mom tells us, Hey, don't touch the stove. You're going to get burned. Well, she's telling us the truth, right? If we go touch the stove, we're going to get burned. Well, we need to be those people that are telling our brothers and our sisters, Hey, man, that sin is going to burn you. Not physically, but eternally in hell. We need to repent from that. We need to stay away from that. We need to make that change. Why? Because God loves you and he wants you to be with him for eternity. All you got to do is ask forgiveness. Ask for that change in your life. Ask for your heart to change. Become a little child, grow into a young man, and eventually become a father, right? Have offspring. Show other people the truth. Give them the message. That is where we are. That's where maturity comes from, and that's what it means to mature in the Lord. You know, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He loves us. He can't not not love us. His nature is love. His nature is love towards us. He loved us so much that he sent his only son on the, to die on a cross, to die the most shameful, painful, excruciating death ever imagined for me and you, for forgiveness of our sins, to take our place of the punishment that we deserve. You know, that's love. That's true love. That's not the fake love of the world. That's not the fake, hey, look, I, you agree with me, so I love you, but you disagree with me, so I hate you, uh, idea of the world today. That's not love. That's uh, picking sides. Whether you are a sinner, a murderer, uh, a terrorist, a liar, a rapist, or anything else like that, there is forgiveness with God. But in that forgiveness, there is change, right? You make the change in your life, God's going to forgive you, and you're going to move forward. You're going to see where His glory comes from. And His glory comes from transformed lives. You know, he is glorified each and every time one of us accepts him, is forgiven, repents, and makes something of ourselves in his image. So with that, guys, we're going to close up our study for this week. I hope that you'll join us next week, and uh, let's end in prayer. Father God, Lord, thank you for going to the cross for us, Lord. Father, thank you 
for giving us the opportunity to give our lives to you. Father, for changing us, for working in us, for developing us, for maturing us, Lord. Father, we pray that more and more would come to know you, that each and every one of us, Lord, would make a disciple for you, Lord, in your image, Lord, as we learn and come closer to you. Father, we just pray that, uh, you know, as this message goes out, Lord, that somebody would be changed, that somebody would hear it, Lord, that we would have healing in our world through you, Lord, not through any other means, Father, but by you, by the love of your Son, by the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Father, we thank you and we ask you these things in Jesus' name. Amen.